to Minds at York. That is what podcast we're doing this week. I'm Megan. I'm Alex. And I'm Tim. How you doing, boys? Okay. How are you? I'm sick, but that's nothing new. Tim, you are silent. Are you that blown away by this book? Uh, it's the new microphone. I'm like, are you concerned? I am. I don't know how to interact with it yet. <laughs> Well, you point your mouth at its face, and you talk toward it. But it seems very sensitive. It's a very sensitive microphone. Just then close your speak eyes and... gently. <laughs> that works, too. I heard nice my... Nice, low, round toes. When I, was, uh, when I was checking the recording levels earlier, I heard my chair. And I was like, good God, I'm not going to be able to move when we do this. Oh, there was one episode in which I heard myself drinking water. <laughs> This is Minds at Yerk, our podcast editing podcast. <laughs> it is. Let's talk about those ASMR sounds that we all enjoy. Nope, out. See ya. <laughs> all right, I have learned how to get Alex to go away if I ever, ever need. Which hopefully I yep. will never, ever need. But uh, this week, we have somehow got our bird sounds to line up with a Tobias book. It is called The Change, if I'm not mistaken. Because I've is. looked at like seven other books today, so. Yes. This is the one either about puberty or menopause. That's quite fair. And judging by the fact that Tobias is still male, I'm going to go with puberty. It is what the entire book is about. <laughs> yes. So. This entire book is Tobias's bar mitzvah. That is quite fair. That is... <laughs> I can't. Congratulations, Tobias. Now you are a man. <laughs> oh, I guess. <coughs> Happy Hanukkah, everybody. Yep. It is day three of that. So uh, what do you guys think before we get into the summary? I dug it. Yeah, I did too. It was really good. Did you? Because it sounded like you were about to say something. What? I was going to say something about the cover, but I don't know if I should. It's kind of spoilerish and I haven't done my recap yet. So I might hang on to that one until a little bit later. To be fair, it does show him as a human on every single cover, even though. Yeah, but this was the one where I thought about it, and since it's only like the second one. Did it not occur to you that the flip book in the bottom corner is a bird turning into a human? (laughs) Oh, no, it absolutely did. And I was like, this is stupid. He's a bird. That's what I thought about on the cover, too. I was like, why do they show him change and he doesn't change? Such a jake. I know. I know. Such a Jake. The answers were right in front of me the entire time. All along. Yeah. All this time, they were staring you straight in the face. Yeah. The poor snowman. This is, I think, the first one to make me tear up. Oh, I, I like, did tear up at the very end of this. Was reading and walking home and had to stop for a minute <laughs> because of all the tears freezing to my face. I so. mean, the last line of this was like. In Hamilton, <sighs> the orphanage. Oh, I break down every time at that part. It's going to be okay. Tim, please give us our summary so that I can clean my face up really quick. Okay. Yeah, well, Megan pulls herself back together. <laughs> All right. Book 13, The Change. Change. Oh, God. Tobias catches a mouse and sees a picture of a classroom. Rachel is a Packard Foundation outstanding student, but didn't tell Tobias because he couldn't go to the ceremony. Tobias gets lost, and a tree moves, revealing a hole. 
two hork bajir escape on dirk bites. Uh, on dirk bites. Dirk I'm sorry. Bikes? No. They also, did not. They did not. I, I think I wrote that one too fast. Two hork bajir escaping, and then there are dirt bikes. That's how that's supposed to read. Are alien dirt bikes. Alien dirt bikes. Tobias and Rachel help the hork bajir escape. The horks are married, and the wife gets hit by a truck. The hork is named Jeremy, and the gang sees him and proves he proves he is not a yerk. Jeremy is trapped in a cave. Rachel morphs him to escape. Tobias is suddenly somewhere else and saves Mrs. Jeremy, who's named Cat Halpack, from Visser 3. Gonna take the horks to a valley Tobias just made up. The, tax- <laughs> the Texans are coming. Gotta move. Tobias is being led by the Elemist. Tobias gets ballsy in front of an all-powerful creature. Tobias stabs a bobcat in the eye, and then taxons appear. The gang lets the hork know, or let the let the horks know that they are human. Tobias stops for lunch as helicopters arrive. He breaks a bone, is picked up by a raccoon, and the elemist changes the game. Tobias morphs a raccoon, which is Tim too gets slow. Gets mad because he was so fucking close. <laughs> <laughs> I know one book. One book. Okay. Uh, Tobias morphs a raccoon. The raccoon is too slow. And then he morphs back to a healthy hawk. The Yurks start a forest fire. Tobias has a plan. He and Rachel morph the horks. Tobias and Rachel fight and jump off a cliff. Marco catches them. While the real horks are, air quotes, dead at the bottom of a ravine and being eaten by, air quotes, wolves. Which just, Jesus Christ. I have apparently blocked that scene out of my childhood. It was traumatizing. Uh, Visser 3 monologues about how smart he is. The Horks, <laughs> the horks find Eden, and they're going to have a baby. Tobias acquires Tobias, and then he attends Rachel's ceremony. Tobias acquires himself. <laughs> oh, <Yes>. God. <laughs> I don't know why you just air-quoted that, and I'm not okay with it. <laughs> Let's be honest. I thought it was really good, though. It is a good book. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Tim. Yes. How long did it take you to realize that the Elemis was involved? Um, not long. Uh, actually, as soon as Tobias was somewhere and he didn't realize how he got there, or that he was okay. lost, like those kind of things, I'm like, ah, this is Elemis stuff. So is the Elemis behind every chase sequence in every Tom and Jerry cartoon ever? Yes. Pretty much. Yes. If it somehow changes the universe. Well, they have that looping background, which is what I thought of when I thought of them like trying to fly away and then they got back in the same spot. (laughs) Um, Did you expect him to get his morphing powers back? Uh, Or to become human I assume that one's for you, Tim. No, I I did not think that he was... I thought that he would become a human again, and I thought it would be at the end of the book series. So, no, and especially not in book 13. I did not expect him to be able to do anything. I mean, so rereading this for the second... Or, not the second time, however many times, it really leans heavy into him feeling guilty about not being able to do anything. Like, the foreshadowing in this book is ridiculous. It is. Mm -hmm. But I do like... So... Every book that we've read thus far since, like, book one, the first two chapters have almost always been about the Yerks. In fact, I cannot think of another book that it's not. Yet, 
it's kind of interesting to show that maybe Yerks aren't the number one priority in Tobias's life. Because it's like, what, three chapters, four chapters before he's even like, oh yeah, they're aliens, and this is um, why I'm a hawk. Yeah. It's once he and Rachel meet up before we hear about That's true. him messing with Yerks, because he talks about hunting down entrances to the pool. Yeah. <laughs> why did you say pool like that? I don't know. <laughs> I didn't think it was weird, but now I'm afraid. Because I guess I just wanted to lean into Silky. I can be Silky for the rest of the episode. Please stop. Um, I don't think laughter is the desired result of that. Nope. Perhaps the expected one. So, you want to start from the beginning or do we want to just go over like the big stuff first? We can go from the beginning. I have no preference. So my first note is in chapter two where Axe basically like shows up and says like, did you have breakfast? And Tobias says yes. And then Axe is like, okay, bye. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) all right. (laughs) Axe really paid attention in the last book when Rachel talked about how important self-care is. I guess. Because it's. I I want an alien to pop into my life and be like, hey. Go eat something. Hey. <laughs> or maybe it's Tobias. No, it's Tobias. Go run to the gym. Yeah. Tobias is like, what's up, Axe? And then Axe is like, hey, are you out hunting? And he's like, nope, I've had breakfast. Bye. <laughs> and it's like, okay. Like, later he does it to him again, but it's understandable because he it says he doesn't want to talk. But, like, yeah. I don't know. I know that Axe and Tobias become, like, buddy-buddy. I assumed it started in this book more, but it really is not. As much as I was hoping. I mean, there's a little bit in it. Because he talks about how, like, it's lonely at night, but now that Axe is there, it's a little bit better. Yeah. So. Which, it's. I was a little surprised there wasn't more of that because of how much of the Shorm stuff we got in yeah. the Axe book. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't thought about it until, like, right now. But it, <laughs> it's like, they did They did kind of lean into that a lot in the in the other book about how they would be... You know, yeah. What if it's like buddies. really sad and Axe thinks Tobias is his best friend, but Tobias <laughs> just kind of doesn't care? <laughs> Tobias is too into Rachel to notice. <laughs> yes. I mean, he starts this book with the Romeo and Juliet comparison. Oh my god. Yeah, like. Like, if... which one of you teenagers is going to end up dead before this is all over, huh? <laughs> If uh, you did not realize that Tobias had a crush on Rachel, this book really, really leans into that. Yeah. But also my OTP, so I'm all for this. But I think you can see it the other way, too, with Rachel as mad as she gets at the Elemist. Oh, definitely. Well, it's yeah. there. And also, it's just... she keeps pictures of him in her nightstand. Yeah. She does. Sure. Also she true. Does. I'm not saying it's one-sided. I just said OTP, guys. Yeah. So it's just very, very... Because we don't get as frequent of Tobias books, it's not like a slow burn that we've kind of had with Jake and Cassie. It's like, hey, remember when I was suicidal in my last book? Let me tell you about the girl that I'm in love with now. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of how it feels. Do you think when they get a song, it will be Wind Beneath My Wings? (laughs) No, because that's not a love song. That's a song for friends where one of them's dying. Ah... Details are irrelevant here, right? <laughs> I mean, sure. Is that is that really about friends? One of them's dying. It's from beaches, is it not? I don't know. 
I'm fairly certain peaches. I believe you are correct. Sort of. Because they just did a remake where uh, Adina is in it. That is right. Sort of a downer there. A little bit. A little bit sad. I always thought it was a little. You know what we need? You know what we need to bring things back up? A thermal. So Uh, nice. Can we talk about how like a love song shouldn't talk about how their partner's their hero? That seems a little weird. (laughs) I'm just saying. I honestly don't know if it was originally meant to be a love song, but it is definitely in the Beaches movie. Why is it weird to say your partner's your hero? I also have really, really strong feelings against your partner being your best friend. It's just like this idolization that I feel is part of the reason why divorce is very high, but this is not for this podcast. <laughs> it might be more interesting than anything else we <laughs> have to say on this podcast. <laughs> Um, no, but if you want to find me to get, like, my really jaded views on life, I'd be happy to share them with anybody. I will say that I have met a couple that is desperately trying to disprove that without realizing it, and, uh, I might be able to be persuaded, but... Is that couple Jeremy and Mrs. Jeremy? It is. It is, in fact. No. No, it's not. Uh, did you Jeremy and that... Kat Dinnings, or whatever her name was? They no. don't, um... They don't take last names in the hork culture. They both kept their last names. Maybe like, they're just a very, very modern. Yeah, it's very progressive, I think. They only have 500 words. <laughs> it probably doesn't actually mean wife. Because I doubt they actually have, like, marriage like we do. It's probably the same word, because we learn a good deal about hork society of this. <laughs> it is probably the same word that describes two trees that are buried so close together that they end up intertwining. That is quite poetic and beautiful. If they've only got like 500 words, oh, no, and most of their right. words are tree-based, I'm not joking, that is probably the same word. No, it probably is, but that is still really beautiful of a metaphor for a couple. Very nice. A tree but those trees are not fun. each other's best friends. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you want me to go into this? I can. No, I just, I just had no, to. I'm I, well, sorry. I kinda, you know I can't not take that bait. I kind of do. I kind of do. I kind of want to know the... No, we can talk afterwards. So, All right. Rachel has won the Packard Foundation Outstanding Student Award. Anybody Google it? Oh, is it real? No, it's not, but the Packard oh. Foundation is real. Oh, no, I didn't know that. I yes. assumed it was related to Hewitt Packard. Uh, I don't... I assumed it was totally made up. It is not totally made up. There is a Packard Foundation. It is David and Lucille. Uh, and they do have some endowments for schools. And it might have been different in the 90s. It's more of a young children nowadays, like... Um, preschool rather than middle school uh but it is based in los altos california interesting so what did you say the packard's names were david and lucille it is the same the same packard david packard is the packard of hillwood packard okay oh yeah founder of hp which makes sense because i believe he died like either the year this book came out or the year before i mean like this foundation would have been new uh yeah when this book came out so, very much a real thing. Kind of cool. Um, kind of shitty of Rachel to not tell Tobias. Yeah, I don't I don't get that one. Like, I understand what it says her reason is. And maybe this is just a, like, well, they are dumb kids thing. It, yeah. But, like, even if... Okay, here's maybe what I understand less. 
she didn't tell him because she was afraid he'd be upset he couldn't go. I get that. There is no way that Jake or Marco doesn't say, hey, so you know. I feel like Jake would, and I feel like the fact that Jake didn't is a very interesting stance. Yeah. Although there's not a lot of Jake in this book. There's really not. There's I did less highlight Jake something. than anyone else. Um, yeah, this book really shows me how much Tobias and Marco maybe do not like each other and maybe aren't friends. I love how much I hate Marco in Tobias books. Yep. Like, it is very clear that he's kind of an asshole. Yes. More than kind of. Tim, you are making a face. Do you not agree? I don't, I don't hate Marco in any book. <laughs> Marco <laughs> has the best dialogue of all the characters. Marco... Marco's an ass in this. <laughs> there was Marco is... one time when I remember him making a comment when I thought... I don't remember what the comment was now. But but uh, it was towards the end where, where Tobias even makes a comment about how he ignored the comment. It was probably oh, yeah. uh, that he assumed that Tobias ran away for safety. Oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah, that's what it, it was. That he just flew off. Yeah, yeah, that was it. But yeah, that, that was the one time when I'm like, eh, that, was, that was dickish. But the rest of the time, I... No, it is, it is very clear that Marco is not as uh, positively lit in this book as he is in others. No, that, that's agreed. Yeah. He, he's Which, almost like the, the comic relief in the last Rachel book. Yeah, like, it is very clear Rachel kind of views him as annoying comic relief. Jake gets yeah. his best friend, so we get a lot more Marco. Marco books, we see how intelligent he actually is, how analytical. Maybe how much of a psychopath? Um, but... <laughs> That's not just the Marco books. But it's definitely clear that he doesn't have as great of a relationship with Tobias and Cassie because he just isn't as prevalent in Cassie yeah. books. And I don't know. It's kind of almost feels like a, neither of them are alphas, but it almost feels like an alpha fighting for territory kind of thing. So it kind of feels to me like Marco stood back and watched someone give Tobias a swirly once and Tobias knows it. Yeah. I could definitely see that happening. Like he didn't Jake do came it. in and stopped it. Yeah. Uh, speaking, though, of Marco and Cassie, can I get to my favorite Marco-Cassie exchange in this while we're kind of there? Hell yes. He is going on and on and on on his 90s style. I'm going to call it a loose five. It's not a tight five. On the differences between men and women. And while Primarily I'm really trying not... trying to explain the difference between... Or trying to figure out the difference between men and women. Hork Yes. Yeah. Yes, but it's very much couched in... Yes. Oh, no, it some, is. It is. Yeah. But it's not just and him I being will, like, let me tell you the difference between men and women. And I will grant his first response of, wait, you mean there's such a thing as female Hork My note for that is, I don't know if this is dumb or very forward thinking. Judging by everything that followed it, I think I'm going to go with dumb. See also... How exactly do you tell a man hork from a woman hork Marco asked. Do the women put makeup on their wrist blades? Do they use nail polish on those big nasty toes of theirs? Uh, and he goes on for a couple of pages and then talks about them not liking bugs and snakes, at which point Cassie says, Weird about bugs and snakes? Is that how girls are, Marco? With that, she reached into a low drawer beneath the bottom row of cages. A second later... A snake was lightly tossed through the air in Marco's direction. 
Ah, 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 get it off of me! Cassie retrieved the harmless garden snake and put it back in its drawer while everyone laughed. Except Axe, who doesn't always get human hum- humor. I do love that Axe doesn't get it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it seems so basic, Axe. Even, it, even Marco's response to it, though, was was still funny to me. Like, yeah. it, it was a... a, a a really good Cassie moment, but then Marco's response was, that's not fair. It was funny, but it's not fair. True. I have very complicated feelings towards Marco. I think I like him, but judging that my favorite characters tend to be Rachel and Tobias, maybe I don't like Marco. And maybe this is going to happen every book, where I have to figure that out. Yeah. Marco is certainly complicated. Which is great. Like, again, these are middle grade books. We're getting that... Not everybody looks at the same through everybody's eyes. Yeah. And Marco's a dick. It's all good. What I think is hilarious is I think that Marco is most like her husband, if I remember correctly. And it makes me laugh. But I could be wrong there. Um, Same chapter. We're explaining that the Horkbajir maybe aren't smart. And Rachel says, this Horkbajir is not exactly Stephen Hawking's. Who? Cassie asked. Is that really that weird of a reference back in the 90s? I think in the early 90s, if this you is not are early. in... Huh? This is not I, early. Okay, the mid-90s. If you are, I don't know, middle school-ish and not necessarily a science nerd, it's conceivable you would not know Stephen Hawking. Does that mean Rachel's a science nerd? I think Rachel's probably more interested in that kind of thing than... Cassie. I mean, Cassie basically, and we get into later, Cassie is like super stoked to be on a hike, even if they are being chased by, right. you know, aliens. But Rachel also, we, we, we know she has her vision board. We know she is doing the secret. <laughs> I feel like she would, as soon as weird quantum mechanical things came into play... Start, like, in her downtime doing a little bit of research on, on what exists of quantum theory in 1997. Yeah. I just, it's really nice that she's not portrayed as a dumb blonde. Yeah. No, I definitely, like, if you asked me who is the smartest one in the bunch, and, like, a very practical, I would trust their answer over anyone else's, Marco. it's probably gonna be Rachel. I think it's Marco. Mm. But I don't think Rachel is far behind. Tim, you're being very quiet. Uh, it's because I would say Marco too, but it's only because he's the most. Most I guess, what? Likely to avoid something that would be possibly life-threatening to him. That does not make someone smart. <laughs> I agree to disagree on that one. Self-preservation is is different than intelligence. It's a different kind of intelligence. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Avoiding dangerous yeah. situations, I think, is a, is a good sign of somebody who's, who's thinking. Hey, I'll say this as captain of my middle and high school academic bowl teams. If I didn't know the answer, and Rachel had an answer, and Marco had an answer, I would go with Rachel's. I guess that depends on the topic. But probably true. Probably true. I am very curious looking at this because I don't know. I can't separate myself and make myself think of the first 13 books. And that's my problem. I can. I know you can. There are definitely no idiots in the group, except for maybe Jake. 
Do what? So there are definitely no idiots in the group. And then I said, well, except for maybe Jake. (laughs) Poor Jake. He's not dumb. He's just... He's almost as close to, like, a flat character as we get. Yeah. He's very much your, like, typified, idealized 90s teenager or preteen, right? Like, Mm -hmm. he likes sports. He's okay at school, but not so smart that it's off-putting. People look to him and think he's at least a moderately good-looking. He likes family. Yeah. I mean, basically, he's the male equivalent of whoever Free Fallen has written about. I don't know how I feel about that reference. (laughs) (laughs) As I'm, like, singing the song in my head now, thanks. Yeah, I'm running through it, trying to... You're welcome. (laughs) Uh, the final note I have in this chapter is that Cassie seems to be the only person outside of Tobias that even seems to realize that, like, something's at play here. Yeah. Other than, you know, Which, Jim. okay, I want to talk about this. Yeah. Um, this is the third book in a row where something weird has been going on. We had Jake and his quantum entanglement. We had Rachel and her allergies. Uh-huh. And now we have Tobias and his just winding up in the right place at the right time serendipity. And of all of them, the only one to say, hey guys, I think there might be something going on is Tobias. And then no one but Cassie pays any fucking attention. Yeah. <laughs> and even she's like, we should probably come back to this, right? <laughs> Like, they never actually... I understand now why no one brought up their, you know, flashes of being a monkey in the jungle and their sneezing alligators, crocodiles. Well, nobody remembers the jungle except for Jake. Well, no, but Jake didn't bring it up before it happened. He didn't tell anybody. Right. I get what you're saying. I understand why neither of them did, because apparently no one gives a shit. (laughs) Very true. They are a selfish bunch. Also, I find it amusing that you think... Weird things have only happened three books, and I was like, what happened the first ten? <laughs> but weird things that happen that if they were to just bring up and talk about, they could probably avoid a lot of stress. I mean, that is the definition of most books. is like, hey, let's learn how to communicate people. I understand this. <laughs> I'm just right. saying, you were Tobias right. did do it right. <laughs> yes. He does say... I was not going there. Something weird happened. And, like, Axe seemed to acknowledge it. Yeah. You know, Axe is probably just like, (laughs) fucking Elimist. Yeah, I mean, apparently they talk about it later without Tobias there. Because later Cassie's like, yeah, we talked it over and we think the Elimist is involved. I guess it's probably, like, while they're flying out. It's not like a weird, we don't want Tobias around thing. At which point Tobias is like, yeah, no shit. He and I talked last night. Yeah. How do we feel about the Elvist? This is now the second showing of him. The most interesting character in the story, and I want more of him. (laughs) Yeah, you take a story that I like and add an omnipotent god character who fucks with time in inexplicable ways. That is going to be my favorite. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, you guys are in luck, because in 2020 we're reading the Elvist Chronicles. (laughs) I just, I I want to know more about his situation. Like, is there a is there a is large there a Mrs. Group Elimist? Is there... <laughs> really? 
<laughs> First of all, that's a lot of assumptions. Are we sure this Elvis isn't female? Just because he showed up as a man, it was what he felt, or it I'm, felt. That's true. Elvis somehow could be like dwarves, and women also have beards. Some, some, Very true. Somehow, I feel like you need a body to have a gender. I mean, like if you're just kind of a floating thing, like it's probably not a. Well, gender is a construct. I was about to say. And you could easily be constructed to have gender. See also Eric and the other dog bots. Yep. Yeah, but I don't know that they were constructed, though. Because he says he's just floating around like a cloud. Or she, I guess I should say. We should say he or she from now on. The or eldest. They. they. Yeah. The eldest An does elemist. say that they chose to appear in a form that was most comfortable. A wise old man would be a very comforting form in the 90s, I assume. Yes. Especially uh, if you were a Star Wars fan. Exactly. Um, Yet now I want to know if if Elemists scooch down to make new Elemists. No, why? Why is that something you need to know? It's it's y'all's fault for talking about whether or not there's a Mrs. Elemist. Nope, that was not me. (laughs) You get lumped in with him for... I mean, that's me. what this book is, right? Like, it's it's so much, like, Tobias and Rachel, and Jeremy and Kent, and... <laughs> or, as Jeremy I will refer Kent. to... <laughs> yeah. Uh, Khaleesi, as the word almost is in Hork-Bajir for my wife. <laughs> Checks that off list. I'm sure that Kalashi being close to Kalashi was intentional, right? It's yeah, gotta it's be. gotta be. Like this is just our way of knowing, uh, uh, not retroactively, I guess proactively, our way of knowing that uh, uh, Amelia Clark is an Andalite. Wouldn't she be a Hork Bajir? No. Is this something <laughs> that I don't read or watch referenced here that I don't? Game of it? Thrones. Ah, uh, okay. Because it took me a minute. Mother of Dragons. Was that she was from uh, some really bad rom-com that I've seen way too many times. If I make the reference, it's probably not a (laughs) rom-com. That's why I was like, it's definitely probably not what it is. Because I don't remember any (laughs) random words in there. So, okay. Game of Thrones. Got it. Yes. And if Jin were here at this point, she'd be singing Dinklage, Peter Dinklage, Peter Dinklage. (laughs) Just to irritate me. Well, Jenna would be here if she hadn't done what she did, and she knows it. (laughs) But hopefully she'll be back. I thought we weren't going to talk about her anymore. Of course we're going to talk about her. I love Jenna. She just knows what she did. This makes me very uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, to be fair, she did say we could do this. I know. It still makes me very uncomfortable. (laughs) Alex doesn't like conflict. (laughs) Alex doesn't like being a party to others' conflict. How's that? Nobody say that there's conflict. It's just that she knows what she did. That doesn't imply conflict. I think by definition that implies conflict. Yes. I was really trying to figure out how to go from there, and I really can't. I don't know what she did. She may. That's being confused. <laughs> Anything else we want to say on the Elmas before we we move on? We want to talk about their... Uh, agreement plan sure do you think that tobias 
truly wanted to be human or that he is just really young and didn't realize that maybe all he wanted was to be part of the team again. Yeah. I mean, he definitely would be miserable if he were turned back into a human. Yeah, and I yeah. think you realize that later. But I think having the out to become a human again, I I think there's something there, you know? Like, yeah. the, the, the opportunity is there. Like, I can do this for two hours at a time, and if I stay for more than two hours, I can be human again. Mm-hmm. It's... He, it's 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 like sort of the ideal for him. He was a raccoon for two minutes and was already over it. Yeah, yeah. he yeah. wanted to be in the sky. Yeah, and he does. So talk I about think hating the ceiling. Yeah, and then they talk about when he sees the elemist, he exists as like half half person, half bird, and it does. It describes him pretty well. Yeah. Kind of like the uh, what are the what's the race in Legend of Zelda? The Rito. Rito. They're bird people. I think I think that's what Tobias would be very happy with if he were in a Zelda game being a Rito. Uh before we totally move on from the Stephen Hawking thing that I'm pretty sure we totally moved on we from. We did, but it's all good. <laughs> I do have the note here what happened to not messing with Earth knowledge. Because Axe goes on a tear about how wrong Stephen Hawking is about certain things, like the structure of atoms. Yeah, but I he mean... doesn't he doesn't explain it. He just says that it's wrong. Only because Jake cuts him off. Yeah, because Jake has no interest in science. But, I mean, when in Axe's book, he basically re-pledges himself only to Jake, if I recall. Because it didn't go well when he talked to the Andalites. So you think now he's cool with, like, if they need something, he'll be like, here's how you build this. Well, he redid Marco's dad's software like i don't think he necessarily has set his boundaries would be best way of putting it fair like i think that's kind of what axe wrestles with the entire series is like who is he officially loyal to and where's that line gotcha and also i don't know when stephen hawking's book was written so who knows like he could have assumed that it's changed since then anyways i don't know has anybody read any of stephen hawking's books i have surprising nobody not at all. Axe is really quiet in this book. It makes me sad. There's not a lot of Axe. There's not a lot of Axe. Brief History of Time was 88, by the way. Okay. I think I have the universe in a nutshell. And I don't think reading it got me very far. That's a very large nutshell. <laughs> also, I have that book and it's very good. It yeah. got you very far how? Like, I read the words. <laughs> but then the words didn't really... Like, connect in my brain? Like, that statement could have gone, man, women really do not care to talk about this book. <laughs> what? The, the way universe you was in it, a nutshell, because I busted one. <laughs> the way you phrased it was, I th- were you trying to say you didn't get very far in the book? Well, like, it didn't do me much good to read. It, so no, I did not get very far. It's, it, it was not particularly arousing. It, he, <laughs> He wrote it clearly. I don't know how y'all got there from that. Because the way you phrased it was... uh... It didn't get me very far. (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) Which could have applied, like, to a job. So many ways. To trying to impress someone. (laughs) To To solving the universe's... just really not doing it for you. (laughs) (laughs) To solving the universe's mysteries. It just was a great way of phrasing (laughs) 
I don't know how else to have. It's all good. I am, I am too dumb for that book. I guess we could have no, could have gone that route. Stephen Hawking is smarter than me, and when he puts words on a page, they're complicated. <laughs> Tim only has 500 words. I do. <laughs> and unfortunately, most of them involve different kinds of plastic shopping bag. <laughs> I thought you were going to go with tree. <laughs> Oh. No. As far as I know, you're not enough of a stoner for f- they're just 500 words for trees <laughs> to be an accurate joke. So, what did you... Okay, so prior to this book, we knew that the hork were a peaceful race that had been enslaved. Yes. Is that about all we knew? There yeah. is one key piece of information that I did remember. Do you want to know what the one thing about the hork race I remembered? From the previous 13 books or from when you were a child? From when I read this as a kid. Okay, what was that? That male hork have three head <laughs> blades and women have two. <laughs> I'm glad you remembered that. I remembered how to tell them apart. And I noticed, <laughs> by the way, that when Tobias acquired Ket, he perched on her shoulder and mentioned how hard it was to find a place to land on her. Yes. That I actually did remember from a child was that it was really hard for a bird to sit on the shoulder of a hork But we were not privy to the fact that, like, they ate trees. No. Prior that to was, No. That was news. Okay. What did you think of that? It explains a lot. Because it was <laughs> I bet kind of... they love whiskey. Probably. They, uh, there was really, like, no reason for them to be so, like, bladed up if they were so peaceful, but now it it gives them a definite reason to be. And, like, every set of blades on them has a different purpose for yeah. cleaning off yeah. a tree. Yeah, yeah. This Which is cuts, awesome. and this peels back, and this is for down low. Because, mm-hmm. you know, God forbid you squat. But also, I mean, if you get a blade on your here, elbow... Yeah. <laughs> you're trying to get something on the ground with your elbow. That's really awkward, especially if you're seven feet tall and you'll probably jab yourself in the sternum with your toe blades. And I also think that Hork-Bajir, the home planet, is like, like we think we have tall trees. They laugh at our tall trees kind of thing. Probably. Um, I did not remember that they had the quick healing factors. No. Like that was... Quite a surprise. Yeah, he he pretty much exposed his brain to... He didn't pretty much. He exposed yeah, his yeah. brain. Well, and it doesn't read like Wolverine two minutes later, there's no scar. He no. scabs over. Yeah. yeah. And it, and like, it still clearly, hurts. Yeah, he's in a lot of pain. But also we kind of learned that like, I guess the yurt goes around the brain and that if you did perform some kind of brain surgery, you would see the yurt. Yes. Which is good to know. In the nooks and the crannies. Yes. Yeah. I wonder if, like, the the contrast liquid that you drink for a, an MRI, I wonder how yurks feel about it. Is that barium? No, that's the... I have no idea. I don't remember what the barium was. One of them you drink. One of them... I definitely have had to have an IV before. Because that one... 
they tell you you're going to feel like you peed your pants and i was like that's funny that's then, you know what that is that's the iodine is that what that is okay. yeah and yeah, it's like that I, I had that one time and the lady said you're gonna feel like you're peeing and i'm like ma'am i am peeing and she's like no you're not you're not and i'm like i yep. am trust me this is happening <laughs> I'm like, that stuff, you were not playing around. That's That stuff <laughs> That's, is... Yeah. So if you're not a part of our Discord chat, you should be. But there are some nights where I look at it and I go, I'm not getting involved in this conversation. And last night was one of them. Were Whereas guys... I'm sitting there going, I cannot wait for Meg to just get into this and have to acknowledge this conversation. Nope. I, I mean, I am one. acknowledging this conversation, but... What was it? Tim, how many buttholes do you think Andalites have? One. That's was boring. It yeah, it is boring, but how it's... Many, how many they had, or if they actually had buttholes. Well, it's still oh, with do they have Oh, now that's a question. I eventually raised the question of, if so, how many? Because that seems to be, like, every time you're going to raise that question. <laughs> is it a question of if burr or which one? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. They'd have to, right? They eat? They absorb. It's kind of like... If you've got an IV going, we know that he pees because he was definitely <laughs> peeless at one point in this book. Well, that doesn't mean that he pees. He'd be peeless if he doesn't pee. Yeah, but then he would be going, what's pee? Yeah, that's true. I want to read that book. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably read about human digestive systems at this point. He I'm really st- probably has. I'm sticking with one butthole. Fine, if you want to be boring. Um, but yeah, I'm boring. I feel like there is a book where he morphs and has to experience like what it feels like to have to pee, but now this might be something completely different, and I am like conflating the two. This is just that fanfic that you found a couple of days ago. <laughs> no, I didn't actually read any of them. I like curled up in my bed and sobbed. That's all I did. It was, you guys, in two years you will find out. Also, because Meg part... read the last book. If, yeah, if you're not a part of our Discord, first of all, there is now an entire schedule, so you can see exactly how long it's going to take us to get through this series. Yeah. And two, this led to me rereading the last book, which I don't recommend anybody doing until you can Ooh. talk about it. Wait, so what the, I learned is the butthole nobody... discussion? No. Oh, yes. okay. <laughs> no, you asking me to put up a book list. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Led to me figuring out when we would finish this podcast. And thus, rereading the last book. And learning that nobody remembers what the last book is like. And thus, I had no one to talk to about it. Thankfully, a lot of things that happened in this book still are going on in book 54. Like the fact that Tobias can morph. Spoilers. I mean... (laughs) Okay. He wears a he wears an eye patch now when he's a hawk and only has one eye. But I wasn't going to say that, even though every time he morphs because of the... out of or he demorphs and grows that eye back, he still puts that eye patch on. No, you have to admit that well, would be the most badass thing you've ever seen as a hawk flying around with an eye patch on. Sure, the like... eye doesn't grow back because of the negative Z space rays that he gets hit true. with by the anti elemist. <laughs> There's. Which we've acknowledged that there's something else out there in book nope. six. In book six, Jake sees a red eye. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. That we still have not figured out what that was. That's Tobias' is... missing eye from the future. <laughs> <laughs> I was 
just not going there, but sure, fine. <laughs> fine. Look, we've already laid everything out there. Tim will figure it out between now and book 39. I don't have a clue what book 39 is, but okay. <laughs> I don't either, but I hope that that comes up in it. <laughs> and book 39 is when Tobias loses his eye. Which is fun, because that would be a Cassie book. It would be a Cassie book. There's a bobcat loses an eye in this. Maybe it's the bobcat's eye. No. Yeah. Can we talk about the fact that Cassie, like, has problems with them morphing into hork but not really any other animals outside of dolphins? Oh, no, no she's done this before. Yeah, this is not the first time she's done it. Anything that is considered intelligent, she does object to and yeah. insists on asking permission first. And there are some things that she's like, in the very first Cassie book, she's like, oh, no, I'm sorry, I have to do this Yeah. to, like, raccoons or something. Okay, maybe I just ignored it. Yeah, I think that was probably more accurate. <laughs> the Hidden is book 39. The Hidden Eye, it makes sense. Yeah. You've just got to, you know, unfocus and just stare blankly at the page until you see the secret red <laughs> eye that forms. That's a magic eye. That's not a oh. hidden eye. It is if you find the right one. <laughs> it's a magic eye of a hidden eye? Yes. <laughs> the eyes have it. <laughs> We learn a lot of hork words in this one. How's your dictionary, Tim? I didn't do a hork update. I'll have to go back through and add to it. I have them all here on my notes. Yeah. You I, did not. That's amazing. I, uh, I just have Andalite and Yurk words in my dictionary so far. You mean you don't have Gafferak in there? I don't. And Gaffner? No. We know, we know more hork words than we do anyone else's words. That's true. We get Kalashi, which is my wife. <laughs> we get Hruthin, which I think is just Andalite, or I'm guessing weed or interloper. You know, some sort of unwanted plant, plant that strangles you. Oh, that's how you're going with weed. No, <laughs> no, not one that strangles you. I feel like that would be what they call yurks. Eh, fair. Okay. I'll allow it. Uh, we learned Darkap, which is basically you're a failure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You failed. Felona, which is thank you. Uh, and Kowathnoi, or Kowathnaj, sorry, Kowathnaj, which is small Hork Bajir, small Jeremy, small Cat Halpak. <laughs> Children, Rachel translated. They're going to have some babies. Little baby Hork Bajir, the first Hork Bajir born into freedom in a very long time. That's really kind of cool. Like, no matter. Well, okay, I was going to say, no matter what happens, but no, if they lose, then that kind of sucks. But, you know, they have taken a race essentially out of extinction now, which yeah. is kind of awesome. We also learned that they have, like, a weird. Sorry, they have a, like, dominance dance. Or like a greeting dance or something. Yeah. It's not necessarily weird. It's just weird to us. Yes. That, and Tobias uh, compares it to animals in nature. Yeah. Like play fighting to assert or actually fighting to assert. But this is, this is very clearly never actually at risk. It's just something they go through. Yeah. Kind of like dogs. When Rachel morphs. Yeah. There's no sniffing of butts, but there might as well be. 
Which, how cool, how much fun would that have been for you if I got to talk about Rachel Morphs and then turns around and sniffs Jeremy's butt? It would have been really hard. Yeah. 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 We do have a point where we discuss with Axe that eagles cannot actually fly out of butts, which is a lot of butt talk this episode. You know... I feel like there's got to be a story behind that. Like, at some point, Marco has convinced Dax that, oh, yeah, people can shit kittens and eagles will fly out of their butts. I just don't think he understands uh, turn of phrases or no. there's a word for that that I can't think of right now. But he's like Drax in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. He really kind of is in this book. I, I know in one episode we discussed whether or not Axe has a sense of humor, and I'm not entirely sure if he does in this one. Jake says he doesn't. I still don't. Like, I think I think Axe has a very uh, situational sense of humor, perhaps. Yeah. But he definitely has one. He does laugh at something later. I mean, didn't uh, the... he get in on laughing at Visser 3 and the skunk and all of that? He... That's true. He laughs at the end of the book when um they then uh, the Mrs. Jeremy won't tell them how yes. they're different. Oh yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, the only thing she will uh tell them is that the horns are the only are a way of telling the difference. Cat Halpeck understood. Jerahami and Cat Halpeck different. Jerahami have three here. She pointed at her hard blades. Cat have two. That's the only difference. Other difference, too, Ket Halpak said primly. Primly, not primely, primly. <laughs> but only for Hork Bajir to know. That got a laugh, even from Axe, which just puzzled the Hork Bajir more. Maybe what was the old, the old TV ad that was like, I know, and I'm not telling? Oh, oh I man, remember I don't those. know. I remember that it. That is what I... I thought of. But only for Herc Bajir to know. Um, I kept wondering if they lay eggs. They've got to lay eggs, right? I honestly don't know if we find out or not. I, think, I was Just wondering Google, if they had like... When I searched, I know and I'm not telling. I definitely wanted you to link me to, and I am telling you I'm not going from Dream Girls. <laughs> well, to be fair, to give you a song is it, pretty spot on. To Google the words mm -hmm. I know... Seems like it would confuse Google, because it'd be like, then why are you asking me? <laughs> Did you add the word commercial to the words? Now look, why would I do a thing like that? It's Google's job to know. Yeah, like, okay, so that's the thing. They're going to have small heart bajir. How many? Like, that's my question. Do they, like, have, like, a litter? So the good well, news okay. is, they totally disappear after this book, and you never have to worry again. <laughs> But so. Tim raises a couple of valid points. <laughs> the first question is, do we know when the hork grow their blades? If baby hork have blades, which admittedly seems unlikely, they would have to come out in eggs. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Or maybe they're um, like tadpoles. Like, l they're like larval hork Yeah, yeah. I don't know, because they talk about small Jeremy, small Ket Hellpark. Yeah, that's true. Think, it does I sound don't like... think that they talk about larval forms if, in that way. That's true. 
Um, so I think they probably are just scale replica hork <laughs> If they don't have tail blades, then sure, it could be a litter of some size, or it could just be, you know, one-to-one. Maybe they have little stair-step hork <laughs> Um Which would make sense if the hork are, are harvesting tree bark to eat, then you would want, actually more of a range in that's, yes, the size of your true. offspring so they can reach different heights on the trees and that's, not have resource competition. That's true. So I'm guessing from an evolutionary standpoint, probably it would be kind of like humans where you'd have a little bit of gap in time so that you know everyone can kind of go into the woods and eat together without actually yeah. having to fight so much as a peaceful, a peaceful uh, uh, society, not having to fight over food resources. Well, that begs the question about repopulation, though. If you only have two people, or two beings, to repopulate... You know what? If by the time we get to the next Tobias book and you haven't had these questions answered, we will answer some questions for you. I feel like that's a lie. You know I'll forget by then. <laughs> or, I'm just saying, or I'm just saying this because maybe you'll find out by something by the next Tobias book. Okay. Maybe because we read hork Chronicles between now and, and uh, I thought, the next. But we don't. We read Andalite Chronicles, right? We read that next. hork Chronicles comes after book 22. Oh, which is I didn't realize book it was 23, so which is the next Tobias book. All right. Fair enough. So they essentially start calling this the hork Valley. But in the book, it's definitely referred to as the Garden of Eden a few times. And... I'm really concerned about Marco and that he's going to cross the line and get slapped and by get slapped by me because he definitely starts telling everybody to get undressed, but he wants Rachel to start. Uh Uh-huh. Sounds like he's been hanging out with Chapman. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) I think Rachel, even in human form, could take both Chapman and Marco at the same time. Oh, I do not doubt that. So, yeah. Just going back to, like, Marco is an asshole. Yep. I have a casting idea for Tobias on this one. Ooh. Who do you have? Well, it says it's talking about while Tobias and... We should at some point talk about the uh, final escape and that whole plan. But while Tobias yeah. and Rachel are morphed into hork Tobias ends up having to fight some and uh jake comes in for an assist dives down and distracts the hork uh swipes at his eyes uh and and tobias breaks away by by swiping the leg by sweeping the knee uh so i've got 90s ralph macchio as tobias the karate kid okay i was like i know that name okay yeah that works yeah yeah what's his name william zabka William Zabka. Of course was... you would go to William Zabka. Uh, yeah. I... Ralph Ralph Macchio was not what? the... He was the one who got the oh, leg yes. swept. Just saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tobias also professes his love for Jake at that point. Yeah. Which is interesting because... I don't know. Because Tobias was not a part of the friend group before, I really, really like looking and seeing how his relationships progress and change. Especially as we only get them once every ten books. Yeah. So. 
Um, yeah, but let's talk about this last plan. Yes. So And how awesome Tobias is for taking on Visitor 3 twice in this book and not dying. Uh-huh. Yeah, so far actually he's kinda got the best record against Visitor yeah. 3, huh? Yeah, I'm still not entirely sure how the first idea worked, but the second one was smart. That was yeah. kind of weird, wasn't it? He kind of yeah. called in this other bird, and uh, I don't like. I think I know where you're going with it, but it didn't seem to play that way at all. No, well, and... they use so many different bird morphs that, like Tobias, draws the bird out of the tree, and they see the bird, and they know that the the animorphs use bird morphs all the time so they just assume right but both birds get away fine yes so yeah but let's talk about the second one where there's actually a clear plan that makes sense yes so they decide to go all the fugitive they uh decide to fake the horkbashir deaths and jump off the ravine and as tobias is going to jump um Visitor 3 is standing directly in his way. And mm-hmm. not in morph of anything scary. It is Visitor 3, the Andalite. Yes. <clears throat> Which is scary enough. No, totally. Yeah. I mean, he even says, like, with that tail and three hork he had no hope of surviving. But his idea is to basically take a running jump. And assuming that even if he died, at least he would take Visitor 3 off the edge with him. Mm-hmm. Which is smart. Has Visitor 3 not acquired a bird morph yet? I mean, I'm sure he's got something that can fly. I mostly just enjoy that Tobias decides to play a game of chicken. I mean, it's great. Because bird puns. <laughs> I didn't go there, but yes. Thank you. That was great. <laughs> Was that the whole reason you wanted to talk about it? Was just so you could... No, that okay. was just a happy accident. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, no, what I want to talk about is specifically what comes after Tobias and Rachel throw themselves over the ledge. Okay. Because of the overhang, I could look down and see the floor of the ravine. Marco as a gorilla has caught them at this point. Down there on the sand lay the crumpled forms of two very dead-looking hork At which point I'm thinking, okay, they threw a couple of dead hork bodies over. Same, that's what A I pair of too. hungry wolves were already tearing at their, quote, dead flesh. Jeremy and Ket Helpeck lay still as Cassie and Jake, who are gonna be fucked up after this, who had to fly down to the ravine and morph from falcon to human to wolf, pretended to begin devouring them. Fortunately, hork can stand a lot of pain. So they're pretending to devour them in as much as they're leaving the hork alive. They're eating the fucking hork They're at least biting into it. I cannot... And ripping flesh out. I am surprised that it's Cassie and not Axe and that Cassie had, like, no reserves. Like, did we just run out of pages? I mean, maybe it's date night. Oh, Really? It's Jake and Cassie. I need you to not. No. (laughs) Never, ever again. If it's the same thing, you probably would have gotten this whole opinion on it if it had been a Cassie book. You get an Olive Garden, and you get a hork for the table, and then a hork to take home and pretend to eat later. I just... I feel like if Cassie's going to be against something, it would be ripping an animal... 
a sentient animal, especially to shreds. Even if, like, especially knowing that they can feel pain. And that's, it goes on to, to clarify. Fortunately, hork can stand a lot of pain. And they heal quickly. Because I'll tell you what, if I didn't know the truth, even I would have thought that two dead hork were about to become wolf chow. Yeah. It's... Like, that is... Like, I thought Rachel being eaten alive by ants was bad. No, I still think that's number one. That may still be number one, but I don't know. The fact that the two of them are like, yeah, eat us. It's better than the alternative. Free or die. It, I am, at this point, 13 books in, just laughing at Visitor 3. Like, it's a lot of fun every time he gets fooled. Like, I know we've had this discussion, but Visitor 3 is not the brightest in the bunch. He's very dumb. This is the easiest, like, this is the one that I found, like, the most believable that somebody would buy. You know no, what I'm I, saying? Yeah. Like, if I look over the edge after two hork jump off and I see two dead hork I'm like, all right, work done, I'm out. And I assume, I think at one point, he would have had to, unless this is his first creature that he's ever infested, he would have had to have been a hork at some point. And would know... That they're not the brightest bunch. But still, well, I guess it also is never specified that they know. No, he's got to know that the Andalites are helping them out. The Andalite bandits. So, like, I don't know, 13 books in, I would still, like, somehow double check. Send some taxons down, maybe. I mean, to be fair, I doubt Visser 3 has ever read any comic books. This is very true. Unless they have cats in them. Okay, he's only read a lot of Catwoman. And maybe because it was the 90s, a comic book adaptation of SWAT Cats, The Radical Squadron. <laughs> Do you think, like, on his day off, Visser 3 just binges that and uh, uh, Samurai Pizza Cats? Yes. What is Samurai Pizza Cats? I mean, it's a 90s cartoon about cats that are samurai and eat pizza. This is not a particularly deep uh, naming <laughs> schema here. So Nor is it a particularly deep cartoon. We learned that Tobias is a Star Trek fan. Yes. And if the Elemist had given you the chance to go back the day before you meet an alien and your life completely changes... Would you have told yourself not to go? Nope. I'd still meet the alien. Now, if I could pick a random day to redo a thing, maybe. Nope, that's, the, not, what, that's not what it is here. This book made me not want to have seen Star Trek Beyond because I got really mad about it again. When they come <laughs> out in the dirt bikes. It's such a ridiculous idea, a dirt bike in a Star Trek movie. I thought you were talking God. about the, the dirt bikes in this, which I don't what remember it, either. That, that's yeah, what it how made me think. dare any f- sci-fi franchise have a speeder bike chase through the woods? Return of the Jedi. <laughs> Not a speeder bike. Speeder bike I'm okay with. This is a dirt bike like you could go and buy down the road at the no, Kawasaki dealership. It's an alien dirt bike. I don't think it's an alien dirt bike. I it's think not. It's, it's they make They make a big... In no. This? Yes. No, it's not. It, no. No, no, hold on. It hovers up out of the hole because that's how space it, elevators work. Yeah. But they are normal terrestrial dirk bites because they talk about how funny it is 
to see them on actual dirt bikes. Yeah, they said it's a Yamaha or a Kawasaki. You know, yeah, it's they hover. They do oh, okay. hover out of the hole. I did read hole. this wrong. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, I totally that's was imagining. All I could think of was was that Star Trek movie and how mad I got during the Star Trek movie when that happened. Which one is that? The newest the most one. Recent. Yeah. I haven't seen it. Um, I think that's the only one I have seen. I've seen the first DJ Abrams Star Trek, and I've seen Into Darkness. I'm not a Star Trek fan. Wait, which one's Into Darkness? The, the one with Benedict one. Cumberbatch. Yes. Oh, then I haven't seen the newest one. I have seen the one with Benedict Cumberbatch as the voice of something. No, that's that's The Hobbit. I know which movie I'm thinking uh, of now. You've seen the one Wait, with Benedict on. Cumberbatch just... as not Khan. Did you just confuse Star Trek and the, <laughs> the Lord of the Rings? Yeah, but it's because she's allergic to Star Trek. Um, <laughs> I... Uh, I don't even know where to go from this. That's the one with Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, yeah. I've seen, oh, no, no, no. That was Lord of the Rings. That was Lord of the Rings. I've like, seen all, both. All, of ben, all Benedict Cumberbatch <laughs> movies exist in a singularity. All that have been, all that will be. Look, Once I've you see seen one of them, you both. have seen them all. I've seen both. In my mind, they came out fairly close together, and I had to sit there and think for a minute. Was he the bad guy that was actually his face? Or the bad guy that was maybe just a dragon. No, he was definitely the dragon that Kirk had talked about. You got it. And the Grinch is Doctor Strange. They are all the same. This is my point. Time is a flat circle, but Benedict Cumberbatch's acting career is a singularity in the middle of the circle. It is the single point that all of time is the locus of all points equidistant from. So... The Elemis takes Tobias back to the day before they go through the construction site. Mm-hmm. And Tobias debates saying something to himself. What would you have said? No, I don't know if I want to hear this. Never mind. I did, but then I remembered who I'm talking to. <laughs> <laughs> what would I say to myself if I went back in time and saw myself? It is the day before the construction site. Literally within like 48 hours, he will be a Red Hawk. I mean, I recognize that any change I make to the time stream is unpredictable and that I'm better off not fucking with things. So Did again, you recognize that as a 12-year-old child? No, you Who know are I... you talking to, Meg? Yeah. <laughs> you would, very true. If you do anything, you would systematically eliminate yourself, though, right? If you change anything? Well, or, okay, you change anything and get into it's a wonderful life kind of territory, which, if memory serves, is a thing that eventually happens. Um, and you just get a version of the world in which you guys don't cross through the site and, you know, you don't become a bird and still have a shitty home life and never actually talk to Rachel and Jake's brother gets him to go to the sharing and he becomes a yerk and, I don't know, Cassie gets kicked by a horse. And you become a yerk, eventually. Did... Tobias, is he the one that suggests walking through the construction site in book one? No, I think it was either Jake or Marco. You guys going home, I, Jake, asked Rachel. You shouldn't go through the construction site by yourselves. I mean, being girls and all. That was a mistake. I never should have suggested to Rachel that she's weak or helpless. Yada, yada, yada. Uncomfortable things about his cousin. Yada, yada. (laughs) So basically, Jake says, don't do this. And Rachel's like, no, fuck you. I'm going to do this. Or were they going to do it anyways? We never will know, now will we? Actually, I think it's one of the Megamorphs. Uh, well, that's true. So, he is given back the ability to be human. Yes, he can morph again in general. 
and well, he yes, Include, but he could also morph yeah. back into himself and learns yes. that maybe that's not what he always wanted was to be human. But he gets to go visit Rachel and see her big crowning yeah. shining moment. Yeah, he wants to be human two hours at a time. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I'm not sure I want to be more than human more than two hours at a time. <laughs> Same. Same. Uh, Unless those hours are sleeping. And to be fair, Tim, we don't we don't see him see Rachel's big achievement. We see him see her start to cross the stage and then simply say Just hello, Rachel. Yeah, in my mind Hi Rachel. I've totally blown this scene up. She runs and throws her arms around him. <laughs> and I'm very glad that's actually not what happens. Yeah, no, it's I the way it's... more subtle version. Yeah, and I think it's really Hi, sweet. Rachel, I said with my human voice. With a human voice. He does not call it no. his own human voice. Well, I had closed the book already at that point. No, that's cool. But it is a yeah. wonderful moment, and I definitely cried. Same. I did I did get a good laugh, though, in the, uh, in the acquiring himself scene. Don't forget, a huge voice said. Two hours, Tobias. And I don't know why that was so funny to me, but that was very funny to <laughs> me. Have I kept my promise? And are you happy, Tobias? That was a very loaded question. Am Did I a good boy, Tobias? Am I? Did you notice that he only answered one of those? Yes. Did not answer the last one? Yes. And I cried. It's, yeah, I got a lot of feelings when it comes to Tobias. It's really nice to see Rachel through Tobias's eyes because we get a lot of Rachel as this. There's a word that is not insane that I can't think of, but like an insane warrior with no fear. Like a berserker. But Tobias really humanizes her. Like he doesn't really ever see her as the aggro Rachel. Well, she he's the only character she's ever really soft toward, right? Like... In some ways, yeah. Marco, she's always giving a hard time because he deserves it. Cassie, like, in that relationship, Cassie's sort of the laid back one and Rachel's whole thing is being kind of the excited one. The one who sort of says, no, let's go do things. Let's go to the mall. Let's, let's whatever. I don't want to just hang out in the woods. Right. Like, Jake's her cousin and that's just a family thing. Tobias, like, she likes and occasionally will calm down and play bird therapist too. Yeah, I do worry the relationship's going to become codependent in some ways and that I'm going to end up hating it as an adult. But I still want an Animorphs edition of Hot Tofu Boyfriend. Um, anything else we want to talk about before we move on? Um, I have a note here that is maybe tangential to how would technology change things today, which I don't think there's really a specific answer to other than I wonder if the hork Valley would show up on Google Maps. I do also wonder, like, how many satellites were up in the 90s versus now, and if that would have any kind of play. But they are running through the woods, avoiding the Yerk dragnet. And Cassie says, I think it's nice. I mean, we're we're, we're out in nature, breathing fresh air, no noise or distractions, no TV or stereo blaring, no cars, just nature, trees, and animals. She would fucking hate having a cell phone. Oh, she totally hates having a cell phone. Especially a smartphone. Like, She's still that would never phone. be on. It would always be, like, dead or close to dead. 
And yeah, no, I'm with you. She would definitely still have a, a flip phone. I want a flip phone. I think about this like just the phone buzzes so much during the course right. of the day that I'm like, I just and then it's like There's this know. magic setting called silence where it, it, it doesn't, doesn't buzz either. Oh yeah, wait, you it, have an iPhone. Yeah. You can turn it's, off vibration. Yeah, it it's doesn't really useful buzz, when you're in the library. But then by the time you get there, all those messages are there and all those notifications are there. And sometimes it'd be nice if they just weren't there. You can turn I mean, off notifications. That I think y'all are missing the point. talking to you if that's what you would prefer. No. I, I don't know. I tried, to make a doc- I tried to make a Doctor Who joke and no one caught it, so it's fine. I totally didn't hear it. I'm sorry. You, you suggested silent and I said it's really useful in the library. Oh, that is great. Yeah, which there's something I want to talk about. It's a conversation that we figured out a couple of nights ago in our our chat that we used to plan the show and mostly bullshit the other 13 days of every fortnight. This is very true. Which characters would have which doctors as their favorites? Yeah, so I agree with everything we decided. Tim didn't really weigh in on this, but also, Tim, what is your relationship to Doctor Who? I've seen some episodes. Have you seen a full season of any of them? Yeah. Okay. The uh, both Capaldi's. There are three really? Capaldi's. No, there's not three, is there? Then yes, I've there seen. Are. I've seen all three. I've seen all of Capaldi's run. I thought it was just okay. two years. Um, and then I saw the first episode of Jodie Whittaker. And I used to watch a lot of Tom Baker when I was a kid because my dad watched it, but that was worthless to me because I did not understand it at all. This proves my point, though, on who Jake's favorite would be. All we're proving is that maybe again. Tim is Jake with this. Tim is Jake. Yeah. I've seen some of Matt Smith and I've seen some of David Tennant, but not enough to to matter. It was Capaldi when I really started watching. Oh, really? I, so, I thought it was Matt Smith. Interesting. Jake's favorite would be Tom Baker because he's not particularly invested, but watched it with his dad and Tom. That's and exactly. We'll come the, back to that in a moment when we get to Tobias. That's exactly the story that I just gave about okay, but my relationship to Tom Baker. Did you read the no. conversation? Oh, okay. I mean, I, I like scrolled through it, but no, that's legitimately like I so, used to watch yeah. Tom Baker with my dad. I the conversation Jake. started with Tobias's would be Colin Baker, and I said Rachel. Because it's the weirdest fucking answer. <laughs> it really is. Yes, Rachel and Cassie both love Tenet because Tenet is ridiculously hot. Um. But they would argue over their second favorites, Capaldi and Smith. I don't know. Would that really Capaldi be the reason? Or Eccleston. Would that really be the reason that they choose David Tennant? Would it not be a deeper reason to enjoy David Tennant's work than he's hot? Did you not read the last book? These are preteen girls. Yeah. I also did argue that if there were more than just an episode of John Hurt, oh, totally Rachel's agree. would absolutely yeah. be John Hurt. Yeah. No, because my, my comment was that Rachel's starting to understand Eccleson. But yes, she would love John Hurt. Okay, for a guy who doesn't know a lot about Doctor Who, I did love the War Doctor a lot. Yes. Then we both agreed that Axe would be insufferable. Yes. Um, because he would point out things that are wrong and just would not be a lot of fun to watch with. And also, like, things that were right he'd find really boring. Like, there's yeah. no middle for Axe on this. And, uh... And, and I also Axe said would, would be, prefer Downton Abbey. Axe would probably love Downton Abbey. They got a lot of food in Downton Abbey. Yeah. Um, and he would be confused as to why the doctor is human. Although you did talk about Axe and fish fingers and custard. I still think he would like fish fingers and custard. 
but... No, I don't think so. He ate a cigarette butt. Okay, you might have a point. <laughs> I mean, I'm guessing there are probably taste buds where he's like, oh no, I don't like that. I just don't think we've kind of learned what those are yet. Then you said Marco has petitioned for more Torchwood, which is definitely true. Yeah. He would not have a favorite doctor. Constantly pestering everyone to sign his petition for Torchwood. Yes. So now give your Jake argument. You mean Tobias? Well, the Jake and Tobias thing? Okay, so Tobias would have at some point told Jake, oh yeah, Baker is my favorite. And Jake would have assumed Tom Baker, not realizing Tobias meant Colin. And eventually Jake would figure it out, but he wouldn't say anything because that's Jake's MO, right? Like he's going to quietly suffer for stupid reasons. But he just more and more and more resent it when really all he wants to do is watch Remembrance of the Daleks. Yep. But I also totally made the comment that whatever his choice is is because he totally used to watch it with his dad and brother. So he is Tim. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, I weighed in that Eric would only watch episodes with K-9. That is great. Yes. That was my other comment. Yes. Anything else about uh, book 13? At one point, Axe goes on a bender where he basically describes truthiness. What? There's already a real live alien among you, Axe pointed out. Oh, yeah. Me. But I have learned about human society. Humans invent all sorts of things that are not true. I have seen photographs of aliens in human newspapers. Do most people believe them? I'm like, X is sitting here predicting a lot of things about the mid to mid to late 2010s. Who is giving Axe copies of the Inquirer? Marco. <laughs> <laughs> okay. See Who's... here? People can literally shit kittens and eagles fly out of your butt. <laughs> Who's letting Marco bring reading material for Axe? Nobody's letting him. This is just this thing. Remember in... in in, in in Axe's book, who was it who took Axe into society That's and took him true. to school to learn about things? That's this true. is a long-term grift that may never come up again in the books, but in my head canon, goes on where like once, in a, once a week, like Henry Higgins and Eliza Doolittle, Marco and Axe get together, and Marco teaches Axe about Earth society, and none of it is actually right. And slowly starts to realize that maybe he has feelings for Axe. As Axe slowly starts to realize he has feelings for a human. And, and those feelings are mostly anger. <laughs> thus a lot of the fanfics I saw. Axe is too good for Marco. Oh, agreed. Um, Alex, I'm really terrified to ask you this. But what is your animal fact this week? So I'm going to be very honest here. Uh, not that this would help because you're editing this week, but you might just want to go get yourself some more tea. I'm just going to take my head. Just give me a thumbs up when I can come back. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Spider milk is real and their babies love it in these funny shows. <laughs> what? Uh, a recent study by the University of Cincinnati. I'm sorry, not the University of Cincinnati, by the Chinese Academy of Sciences. <laughs> That's really different. Well, one of the sources is a professor, an assistant professor at the University of Cincinnati who was explaining the study. Um, A study from the Chinese Academy of Sciences has found that jumping spiders make milk for their children, for their baby spiders. Spider milk is a real thing that exists. 
um, essentially they will saturate strands of their webs with this milk until the spiders are uh, old enough to suckle is not a word used in this study at all. I really can't imagine that that's actually how it works, but to sup from the uh, abdomen of the spider directly. Yeah, spiders make milk. That's really all it boils down to. So we can morph to spiders and make spider milk and then make spider yogurt and have a whole line of spider dairy products. Did they did they say anything? Okay, the cockroach milk a couple of, or a, a little while ago, they said was would be really good for humans. What cockroach milk and who is they? Did you not read this article? Surprisingly, no. Okay. While you while you find that though, I well, I have already written a commercial jingle for us oh, for spider milk. Christ. No spider milk, spider milk. <laughs> Mama gently coats the silk for twenty days. Kids lap it up, then from her abdomen they sup. So weird, jumping spider milk. So I've already gotten the branding done. Uh, I think. I think as far as marketing this thing goes, I've, I've got a pretty solid business plan here. I know for a fact that there is at least one celebrity, end, celebrity endorsement we can get for spider milk. And that is Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, uh, yeah. I think if we put out a whole line of spider milk, spider cheese, spider yogurt, Goop would be all over spider yogurt. In it. Are we done? It comes from their butt, so it can go up yours. <laughs> we can move on now, yes. Thank you. I wasn't sure where that one was going. <sighs> All right. So so this is a no, though, to morphing into spiders and making a whole line of spider milk products, right? I'm not going to say no to it. I'm entirely saying no to it. I've got some questions, but I'm not going to say no. I don't know how to say no to this. Yeah. My mind is saying no, no, no. Oh, my God. Okay. Are we having a... fanfic this week? <laughs> Yeah, Tim, are we doing fanfic this week? Yep. Right (laughs) here. Alex continued talking about getting something. I'm not real sure what he said. Paying attention to someone talking to you is difficult after someone throws out a term like self-destruct sequence, and they're talking about the space you are currently occupying. Fortunately, he led with the fact that I did indeed need to get to the control room. Had he done it in reverse order, there's no telling where I would have ended up. I quickly morphed back into my human form. I came around the corner a little faster than I probably should have, but fortunately the taxons that would have been there waiting for me were focused in the opposite direction. It allowed me the opportunity to duck back behind the corner. I had to get past them and into the control room. Getting shot with a dracon beam would definitely make that more difficult, so I decided to find an alternate route. I looked all around me, but couldn't find any passage that wouldn't result in dead me. I looked up and saw the only possible route that I could take. The ventilation system would allow me access anywhere I wanted to go in the building. I needed to moor something small enough to move freely through the shafts and something that could climb the walls in order to access them. That pretty much left me with only one option. I focused as much as I could, which wasn't a lot given my proximity to death, on the tarantula. I had only practiced with this morph a little and wasn't exactly used to its senses yet but I had a handle enough to scurry up the wall and through the vents in the shaft. 
It's a creepy thing morphing into something that is so different in size. It's more like you stay the same size, but the world around you is growing. This, of course, is after sprouting calissary out of my face that made me look like the predator. Extra legs shot out of my body and I was covered in hair that gave me a strong werewolf vibe. A quick right turn after scaling the wall and I was on my way to the control room. I came to the vent and peered through. Turns out I was not the first person to arrive. The good news? I have the cube. The bad news? If I'm lucky, our base is about to blow up. The worst news? Well, it helps if you know all about that base. A few years ago, before I started covering the war, the Resistance caught a break. They got word of a decommissioned blade ship that was being retrofitted as a mobile Kendrona hotspot. It was supposed to be the first of its kind, but the Yorks couldn't get the engineering right and were mothballing it until they could find a more efficient power source. The goal had been simple after that. A small team was tasked with getting in, blowing up the ship, and taking it off the board completely. That's where things stopped making sense. When they reached the site, there was no ship. Just a scorched crater. They reported back six and a half hours later, and they were all missing nearly three hours' time with no recollection of what happened. A few months later, everyone on the team had the same too realistic dream, that they had returned to the site and found the ship, unscathed, sitting in a crater. And the next morning, they did just that. Some of the lifetime members of this group claim that there's this all-powerful alien who occasionally pulls strings even though he shouldn't, like the Watcher from Fantastic Four. They credit him. Others have theorized that the Yerks working on the site went too far down a weird science rabbit hole and caused the ship to locally compress space-time and clip across months of linear time, like someone playing a video game hitting just the right spot on an otherwise solid wall to pass through it and into another stage. They still argue about what happened to this day, but one thing was clear. They had a souped-up blade ship with advanced shielding and cloaking tech, and once they stripped the Kondrona emitter out of it, it worked perfectly. So for the last few years, it's been a well-cloaked base hanging in the upper atmosphere. And that's where it still is, about to self-destruct, That was the bad news. The worst news is that I have no idea how to get off it with the cube alive. Cool. So that was great fanfic that had nothing to do with spiders. I greatly appreciate that. Hold on. I've got to do some rewrites now. (laughs) Just throwing that out there before uh, I actually hear it. I'm not showing that we have any new iTunes reviews. Or emails. Uh, we do have some comments on this book from our Discord, um, which is essentially that other fans agree this book causes a lot of feelings and crying. And uh, as Ian put it, thank God maybe he can stop being pouty. Because, yeah, it is a lot before this book. Of him whining. Like, not even just in this book. It's in every book. Yeah. So. So. Next episode, we are going to start our three-part dive into the Andalite Chronicles. Uh, For those who don't remember 
which includes myself, The Andalite Chronicles was released in three parts before it was actually released as an entire book. Uh, it was released during what? Was it 11, 12, and 13? Yes. Uh, before released as a whole one. So we're going to break it up over three parts, which also keeps our reading levels at a minimum. Because uh, we're lazy podcast hosts. So, yeah, if you want to, if you are reading along, that's where we're starting. Uh, I don't remember what part one covers, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Andalite Chronicles Tim is one of my is favorite going books. To, Tim is going to guess now. That's right, Tim. Part one, oh. Andalite Chronicles. This this totally has to be about Elfangor and his his homeworld. This is, that's, that's what i'm guessing the first one is about it's like his backstory and how he lives there okay i think that's a pretty safe guess yep we've heard of other andalites we have heard of other andalites and i'm sure there'll be other andalites so is it worth asking you if they what you think they morph into uh no because i think it'll all be alien garbage i don't think there'll be any human stuff involved here when you say alien garbage, do you mean like sentient trash? Yes. Yes. <laughs> do you mean dumpsters with a capital D? Yes. Absolutely. All of those things is what I mean. This is the book in which we learn that the real reason that dumpsters are capitalized is because that's actually a race of alien that Holy is hiding geez. out on Earth as trash receptacles. Oh my god. I actually really like that idea. And I feel like it's a Doctor Who episode and not... It's like someone's parody of a Doctor Who episode. Well, that's very true. That's all you're going to guess? Yeah, that's what I'm going to guess. Alien Do you world. think we'll see any Chapman? No. I think Do there'll think be we'll... none Earth here. None none parts Earth. What For... about space raccoons? We know there are raccoons in space. Wait, wait, wait. Are you talking just part one or are you talking the whole book? We'll just do part one. Okay. Yeah. But I, I'm, if, I ha- if you put me in a corner, I would say the whole book. There's no Earth. Or okay. they, may, they may arrive at Earth at the end of it. I mean, Chapman was there for his death, but... That's true. I actually don't know if it goes up to his death or not. So, What's Chapter 3 called, Meg? Chapter 3? Yeah, Book 3. Um, <laughs> if it's called something Chapman, then... <laughs> I... It's called An Alien Dies. <laughs> Is it Elfingor Dies? <laughs> I think it's an alien dies. So, Elfangor's journey, Aloran's choice, and an alien dies are the three parts. So yeah, uh, we'll be back with Andalite Chronicles next week. Uh, anything else to plug or promote before we wrap this up? Uh, you can always hear me on Panelology along with Jin and sometimes Meg and Tim. Tim, anything from Scholastic? Nothing yet. Have you started your Dinomorph book? I have not yet. I hope too soon, though. It just came this week. Cool. Which I won that on an Instagram contest, so I'm super excited about it, and I hope to have a review. In the meantime, we would like to thank Christina Spinks for our show art. If you're interested in getting some cool art from her, email her at c.spinks.animator at gmail.com, or visit her at chaosdoesart on Instagram, or in our Discord, she does drop a lot of art in there, and it is all absolutely wonderful. Uh, peep our s- social meads while you're 
looking around on Instagram, you can find us at Minds at Yerk on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to send us question, comments, or love letters, you can email us at Minds at Yerk at gmail.com or any of the previous social media spots. Uh, our website is Minds at Yerk.com. You can spell Yerk, Y-E-E-R-K. If you spell it otherwise, you probably won't find us. So say you can and should. <laughs> um, uh, and if you want to help us out and make it easier for others to find us, share us with friends and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You are totally stepping on me reading the script. Okay, but mine's organic, so... Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we are also available on... Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, or any other podcatcher of your choice. If we aren't there, let us know. We will add it in. Alex, what is our final word? All right. Somebody say when. When. I'll be back in half an hour or so, I said as I took wing. That's not creepy at all. (laughs) I mean, do you want the line after it? I can make it creepier. No, that's okay. That's okay. I've been Megan. I... We'll continue to be Alex and won't apologize for it. And I am Tim at this moment in time. And until then, we fight.